Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, July 5th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Power prices in Europe have hit a new record. Foreign investors are bailing out of Indian stocks, and the FT's chief economics commentator, Martin Wolf, will discuss what's happening in the global economy. It's a, almost a perfect storm of shocks which have left us now in a period of great uncertainty. I'm Jess Smith, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. European electricity prices yesterday reached their highest sustained level on record. German baseload power for delivery next year, that's the benchmark price, hit 325 euros per megawatt hour. The equivalent contract in France has doubled to 366 euros since the start of the year. The new records come as Russia's cuts to European gas supplies ripple through the continent's energy networks. Gas is used to generate electricity, so the cost of gas affects power prices. Also, maintenance problems at French nuclear plants are making the situation worse. Foreign investors have dumped a record $33 billion of Indian shares since last October. That's according to research from Goldman Sachs. Our correspondent in Mumbai, Chloe Cornish, says all the pension funds and international mutual funds who went to India looking for higher returns are taking profits off the table. At the moment, we're in what's called a risk-off environment where investors who have noticed that the Fed is raising interest rates and that things are a bit spooky in terms of the global economy, they want to move their money into safer places. And one of the reasons that it's a good time for them to do this is because they've made quite a lot of money in India. So over the past two years, there's been a massive rally in Indian stocks. The stock markets have been rising in India faster than their peers in other Asian economies. And that's been in part driven by investors' need to find an alternative investment destination to China that's in the Asia-Pacific region. But if this flight from India stock market sounds bad, it turns out there's a whole army of Indian retail investors and domestic Indian mutual funds who've been scooping up shares that foreign investors are selling. So one banker told me that he thought, had there not been these domestic investors sort of scooping up all of these stocks, the index could be... 10% lower than it already is right now. India has some of the cheapest mobile data in the world, and uh, it's a nation of smartphones now, smartphone users. And there are these very active online brokerages which uh, can allow you to trade for low fees or almost zero fees in in some instances. And so people had really gotten into it during the the pandemic years when they were stuck at home, uh, wondering what to do with their money and with their investments. So those guys uh, have really been very active in the past couple of months buying up equities. Uh, It's a trend that we expect to continue. And Chloe, just going back to foreign investors, some are now returning to China, right? There is evidence to suggest, or at least Goldman Sachs thinks there is, that some of these global mutual fund managers who pulled money out of China are starting to reallocate to China again. And that may be at the expense of India. They are at record lows, like 10-year lows almost, um, at the amount of money that they've invested in India. Um, But the amount of money they're investing in China is creeping back up again. Chloe Cornish is the FT's Mumbai correspondent. All over the world, the economic news isn't sounding good. 
Inflation continues to top the list of Americans' economic concerns. Inflation in the UK has hit a 40-year high. The lockdown in Shanghai will rock China's economy. Investors aren't the only ones retrenching. Sevi Marshall in Norwich, England, is readjusting her personal finances. She's in her mid-20s and works at a digital design agency. I am spending far less money as a result of what's going on in the wider economy. The rise in inflation means that everything costs a lot more money. I have far less disposable income. And as a result of that, um, I'm having to find more creative ways to save money and to be able to retain a lifestyle that is similar to my colleagues and my friends. Nick Penazola is also coming up with ways to adapt to the economic environment. He's a business owner in the U.S. state of South Carolina. We're looking at strategies to reduce costs, like um, changing our summer hours and reducing those in our local coffee shop. We've also started pulling our supply of eggs from our own homestead of about 60 chickens and leveraging those for the breakfast sandwiches in the coffee shop. As individuals and businesses readjust their finances, economists are taking a broader look to figure out if we're headed for a global recession. To talk more about this, I'm joined by our chief economics commentator, Martin Wolf. Hi, Martin. Hi. Martin, not to start pessimistically, but what to economists looks to be the most worrying? There's so much. This is almost a perfect storm over the last few years, sort of cumulating. We got hit, of course, with COVID, which generated the most widely shared recession in the world economy, probably for about 150 years. Then we thought we're going to have a great recovery. And indeed, 2021 was really a strong recovery. But then we realized that we were getting all sorts of inflationary pressures. Lots of supply hadn't come back. Energy prices started to soar. Then, of course, the inflation problem began to become so serious that central banks said we must start tightening. And Then we got hit by a third big shock, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which generated further turmoil in energy markets, another big upward spike in inflation, and to make everything even worse, a food price shock. So it's it's almost a perfect storm of shocks, which have left us now in a period of great uncertainty, and that is being demonstrated in big market declines from, it must be accepted, an extraordinary high buoyed by exceptionally accommodative and supportive monetary and fiscal policy. So, But that's possibly another reason why we should be looking to a big, strong slowdown. Is there anything that gives you reason for optimism? Well, I mean, I suppose it can always be worse. But if you look at it from an economic point of view, if you take the combination of things I talked about, it's difficult to see the next year or so as being other than, in aggregate, overall pretty economically disappointing, given what we hoped would be a strong, steady, continued recovery from the COVID disaster. Martin, as we heard earlier, individuals and businesses are cutting back to try and deal with higher prices and economic uncertainty. What do we know about how widely this is happening and what kind of impact that this is having on the broader economy? Well, we know people's real incomes are being reduced dramatically. They are having to pay more 
for things that are really difficult to cut. So basic transport, costs, uh, costs of air conditioning, costs of food are rising. Of course, if they spend more on these things, ineluctably, they, they will spend less on other things. So services were still very weak last year because people were still not going back to normal behavior, going back to shops and restaurants. We were expecting a very strong recovery in spending in these areas that I would guess will be postponed. And I would expect that to be what we see. So Martin, now let me ask you the big question. Do you think we're headed for a global recession? So if you have the idea that a recession is actual shrinkage of the world economy as a whole in aggregate, that's a very rare event. It did occur in 2020. If you measure it in certain ways, it occurred in 2009. And I think most economists today would say that's not where we're headed. However, I would say we can be sure that growth is slowing down, that it's less going to be this year, I think, and probably early next year, significantly less than people hope six months ago or even a few months ago. And in addition, I think it's possible that we'll actually have declining GDP per head, though I think that's much less likely. So it'll be disappointing, but not necessarily catastrophic on the basis of anything we're currently seeing. Martin Wolf is the FT's chief economics commentator. Thanks so much, Martin. Pleasure. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.